Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to church this morning and to round seven of our message series, Our Family Fights. And today, we're talking about how to fight to send your kids off the right way. Uh, when I was at Baylor, um, I had a, a friend of mine named Meredith. Um, she was a wild, wild person. And everything that you think about when you think about somebody wild at college, like, that was Meredith. And um, her roommate was actually, you know, one of my good friends. And um, I came to find out that Meredith actually grew up in a Christian home. She went to a Christian school. She went to church regularly. Her parents didn't even, want to, didn't even have a TV in the house. And now, when she got to college... Um, and it's not, she, she was wild, not because she watched a couple of episodes of like 90210 and that just, you know, she cratered, okay? That's not what happened, okay? She changed because although her parents did a good job of protecting her, they did not do a good job preparing her. So when she got out in the world where she had to make decisions on her own, she just simply wasn't prepared. She wasn't ready to be out in the world on her own. You see, when, when we bring a child home from the hospital for that very first time, and we walk through the door, and we bring them home, we have 18 years to get them ready. We have 18 years to prepare them. Because ready or not, there is going to come a day where they will walk back through that door of our home and out into the world to make decisions on their own, to live their life as an adult, to make the choices that they're going to make, to do what they're going to do, to choose to believe what they're going to believe. Well, if that's the case... What do I do to get them ready? I mean, how do I get them ready to meet the world all on their own? And, and yes, while we have to protect our kids, that's not enough. We got to protect them, yes, from the things that, that could ruin them. But we have to also prepare them to go out in the world. Because they are going to be on their own one day. They are going to have to choose what they're going to have to choose. They're going to have to do what they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to have to believe what they, what they choose to believe. And so we have to prepare them to get them ready to do all of that all on their own. I mean, look, there's a lot on the line here. So, how can I do that? How can I send my kids off the right way? Well, thankfully, the Lord has a lot to say about this very topic. And so go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. And let's ask the question, how can I prepare to send my kids off the right way? Well, the first thing to do, I need to do is this. 
is I need to focus on the task, not the past. I need to focus on the task, not the past. You know, I've heard from a lot of um, people, a lot of families that are making changes in their marriages, in their parenting, in their, even in their grandparenting because of things that they have learned in this series. But one thing that people are, some people are experiencing is guilt. They're experiencing guilt over mistakes they've made in the past. You know, decisions that they have made that they wish they could go back and unmake. And I, I understand that. And consequently, they have some guilt about their past. So, in case you've packed your bags for a long guilt trip, I want you to think about this set of verses. In Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, look what the Bible says. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Would you underline those two words? No condemnation. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Look, for those who are Christ followers, God says, there's no condemnation about your past. None. About decisions you made, about things that you've done, about things that you've said. Once you've been forgiven by God, like, that's it. It's over. I mean, that, that's what the Bible says. That's what it's getting at here. Now, it is true that, you know, you might have some consequences of those decisions. You're going to have to deal with that. But the Lord is basically saying to you and to me, he's saying, you don't need to mope around with a guilty conscience about things that you've done in the past. You've come to me and you've asked for forgiveness. And I've given it to you. And so it's over. You can't go back and change the past. So look, and, and while there might be some regret, the task of fighting for your family is too important to get so locked in and dwell on the past about things that you should have done differently. Look, you can't change your past. And so if you're going to send your kids off the right way, you only have 18 years to do it. If your child is four years old, you've only got 14 summers left. If your child is 10, you only have eight summers left. If your child is 16, you only have two summers left. You don't have time to dwell on all the things that you should have done, wish you had done, or hadn't done. You've got to fight for your family now. Your kids and your grandkids, they need you now. And God has freed you from your past. He's saying, look, you don't have to dwell in your past because there's no condemnation for you. So let go of the guilt and move forward with me and fight for your family. He's saying, focus on the task, not the past. Make sense? All right. Now God says the second thing. The second thing he says this, is that I need to know what I want my kids to know. I need to know what I want my kids to know. Now, 
These next two verses are from the opening chapter of the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs was written by Solomon, the wisest man that's ever lived other than Jesus. And he writes Proverbs with his son in mind. And so with his young son in mind, he pens these words. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. There will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Look, and everything that follows in Proverbs is written with his son in mind. Solomon understood that he needed to identify the things that he wanted his son to know. And then he needed to be intentional about making sure that his son knew them. And so he writes down all of those things into what we now call the book of Proverbs. It's pretty impressive. Now the lesson here for you and me is that we need to think clearly. I need to. You need to. You need to think clearly about what you want your kids and your grandkids to know before they walk out that door for the last time. You need to think about what they need, what they need to know. And then you need to be intentional about making sure that they know that they've got a really good grip on those and they've got those things nailed down so they're prepared for when they go out into the world. <clears throat> okay. I, I thought of some things that I want my kids to know before they leave the house. And I, I, I want to share them with you just because I, I want you to get want you to be thinking about these things for yourself. Not because I think that these things should be on your list. This, this is just my list. So I just, you, I just want to say, share this with you just to get you thinking, okay? Some things that I want my kids to know in no particular order are these. I want my kids to know how to handle money. I want them to know how to handle money. I mean, that, that includes how to budget, how to save, how to balance a checkbook, the dangers of credit cards, the benefits of compounding interest, how to trust God with money, how to be generous. I mean, I want my kids to know how to handle money. So let me ask you, do your kids know the ins and outs of how to handle money? Have you taught them that? Another thing I want my kids to know, I want them to know what to really look for in relationships. I want to know what to really look for in relationships because honestly, most kids just look for the most attractive person they could find and then they go with that. I mean, that that's really how it goes down. But it takes more than that to be a family, okay? I, I want my kids to know what to really look for and how to look for that in a person. I want, them, I want them to be able to look and find out what a person is really like when they're angry. I, I want them to look at another person and find out, do they have a history of keeping commitments or do they tend to quit when things become challenging? Uh, does that person have goals? Does that person have a growing relationship with Christ? Is that person respected by their peers? All right, let me ask you, do your kids know how, what they're really looking for in a relationship? Have you sat down and, and talked with them about that? Another thing I want my kids to know, and honestly, this, most importantly, I want my kids to know how to maintain a growing relationship with God. I want them to know how to maintain a growing relationship with God. I want them to know how to read the Bible and get something out of it. That when they have a question, that they know how to find the answer. That when they pray to God, that prayer is not, it, prayer is their 
first option, and it's not just a last resort. I want them to move past just having a head knowledge about God and let it filter down so they can have a relationship with him. I want them to know what it's like to seek God, rely on God, to really trust God. I want them to, you know, um, volunteer at church and lead in, in church. I want them to understand that church just isn't just another activity, but it's a place to connect with God and with other Christ followers. All right, let me ask you this. Do your kids know how to maintain a healthy relationship with God? Have you talked to them explicitly about that? What do you want your kids to know before they leave home? And like Solomon, are you willing to take the time to write it down so that you can make sure that they know what you want them to know? If you don't write it down, whatever you teach them is, is just sheerly accidental. And it's not intentional. Write those things down. Just like King Solomon did. It'll help you send your kids off the right way. And when you, if you write them down, it'll help you focus and be intentional about knowing what you want your kids to know before they walk out the door. Number three, here it is. Third thing is this. I need to get my kids around other admirable adults. I need to get my kids around other admirable adults. Now, this next passage is especially revealing. Rehoboam, one of Solomon's sons, he's about to be crowned king. Now, the people come to him and they basically ask Rehoboam, you know, what what kind of king is he going to be? Is he going to raise taxes? Is he going to cut spending? You know, are they going to have a strong military? What's he going to do about all the hostile nations in the Middle East? I mean, any of these issues sound familiar? Okay, nothing has changed about choosing a leader. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. The only thing not mentioned in this passage is a binder full of women. That's it. Everything else is the same. But here's the thing. I know, I can't resist. It's just too easy. It really is. Here's the thing. Rehoboam hasn't decided what kind of king he's going to be. And so he seeks advice from two groups of people. Look how the story goes. Now, I've condensed the story a little bit so that we'd have room for it here in the the notes. It's all in 1 Kings chapter 12. Here it is. Rehoboam went to Shechem for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. Your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us and and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. Verse 8. And I want you to underline this whole first part of verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice that the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him. Wow. Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him. And we're serving. Verse 12. Three days later, Jeroboam came 
And all the people returned to Rehoboam as the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. <laughs> you know, Rehoboam growing up, he spent his time around his buds. I mean, this part we underline, he spent, he spent his time about around his buds and they influenced him to go in a way that his father, Solomon, would not have wanted him to go. Now, the scriptures don't specify whether Rehoboam actually spent any time around the wise advisors of his father. I mean, the scriptures just simply don't say, so, you know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But either way, those guys, those wise advisors, he didn't respect their opinion very much. And Rehoboam, they... They certainly didn't have any influence on him. Instead, Rehoboam was influenced by his peers who were as immature and as inexperienced as he was. And so he took their immature and inexperienced advice. And his reign as king was oppressive, unproductive, and relatively short-lived. In other words, because he didn't have admirable adults influencing his life, it limited his future. Look what Paul says about choosing someone who will influence you and your kids and grandkids. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Look. One of the very best things that you can do for your kids, whether they're little kids or whether they're older teenagers or, you know, somewhere in between, the best thing that you can do is to get them around other admirable adults that can influence them as well. Look, those of you that are parents of teenagers, I mean, you know this to be true. You know, sometimes your kids, they just don't hear it from you. And you can tell something to your kids, and they just don't hear it. But I'll tell you what. Somebody else says to them the very same thing. And it's like, oh, they've just discovered the meaning of life. I mean, it's like, Dad, did you know? Blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking, you're thinking are you kidding me right now? I've been saying that. But look, here's the deal. Your kids need to hear it. From someone other than you. And look, you don't have, as your kids get older, you don't have as much control as you had when they were younger. So as they get older, you got to be a little bit sneaky, okay? You got to get them around other admirable adults who will say to them the very same things that you want them to know. And so you need to leverage that for yourself. So get your kids around other admirable, admirable adults as often as you can. Be careful about the coaches you select. Be careful about the friends you select because they will eventually be around your kids. Make sure that your kids are involved in activities where other admirable, admirable adults are. Like at church, for example. 
I mean, do what it takes to get your kid around other admirable adults. Now, here's the flip side. You need to be that admirable adult for someone else's kids. You need to be that adult for someone else's kids. I'm telling you, what goes around comes around. You will reap what you sow. It's a very, very biblical principle. So if you want other people to sow good things into your kids, then you need to sow those good things into other people's kids. And one of the best places to do that is to volunteer in, this, in our student ministry or kids ministry here at the church. Now look, yes, you need to have your kids involved in those things. But you gotta do more than that. You need to take part as well. You need to do that because I'm telling you, the Lord will reward your willingness to influence other kids by helping those admirable adults influence yours. And it helps prepare them to meet the world on their own. Last thing, number four. Here it is. Fourth thing that you and I need to do to fight to send our kids off the right way is I need to view my children as God views them. I need to view my children as God views them. And it goes for grandkids as well. Look at this verse. Psalm 127, verses three and four. <clears throat> Children are a gift. Circle the word gift. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Circle the word reward. Verse 4. Children born to a young man are like sharp arrows. Circle the word arrows in a warrior's hands. See, the Lord sees your children and grandchildren as three things. First, as a gift. Your kids are a gift. Which means that he trusts them to you. He trusts them to you. Look, if you have children, the Lord has given you a gift. Now, you might not have asked for that gift and gotten it anyway. Or you might have asked for that gift and not received it yet. But either way, children are a gift from God. He is trusting you with them. The second thing the Lord says, he says that the kids are a reward. That means that he believes your kids have great value. He believes your kids have great value. A reward is something that has value. And part of what God is saying here is that by giving you your kids, he is trusting you with something of great value. So let me ask you, do you view your kids and your grandkids as a gift and as a reward, as a trust from God? As something that has value. Now, I think every parent or grandparent in this room would say, oh, I, I absolutely see my kids as valuable. I see my kids as something that has value. But how often do kids think that they aren't valuable to their parents? See, parents devalue kids when they call their kids dumb or stupid or monsters or hellions, or rugrats, or they say, you always mess up, or you, you can never do anything right. Look, there's a big difference between correcting an action and condemning a person. 
So let me ask you, do you treat your grandkids and your kids like they're gifts from God, like something that has value, like a reward? The Reverend Adrian Rogers once said this. He said, the me you see is the me I will be. So if you see your kid as an underachiever, he will feel like an underachiever. If you see your kid as incompetent, he will feel incompetent. If you see your kid as stupid, he will feel stupid. But think about the flip side. If you see your kid as talented, he will feel talented. If you see your kid as confident, he will feel confident. If you see your kid as successful, he will feel successful. If you see your kid as smart, he will feel smart. And so, look, you need to view your child, your grandchild, as a gift and as a reward. Because the me you see is the me I will be. God says he sees our kids and grandkids is the third thing. He says he sees them as an arrow. And that means that he's designed them to leave. He's designed them to leave. Look, your kids are not designed to stay in your home forever. I mean, look, look, you can forever be a close family. But they need to get out there on their own. And look, just like an arrow, just like an arrow, you can warp or break a child. Or you can sharpen and straighten a child. It is your choice. But if you want to sharpen and straighten a child, you need to focus on the task and not the past. You need to know what you want your kids to know. You need to get your kids around admirable adults. And you need to view your kids like God views them. If you will do these things, then you will have fought the good fight. You will have finished the race. And when that day comes and your kids walk through that door out in the world on their own, then you will know that you've not just protected them, but you've prepared them for what they're going to face. And that is how you finish the fight for your family. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And on the card and on the notes, I want you to check the next step or steps you want to take today. You're going to turn the card in. We're going to pray for every person that turns in the card by name. But you're going to keep the notes because you're going to take that home. And you remember what you've committed to. So maybe it's this first one. I will not live in guilt over the past, but instead focus on the task of preparing my kids or preparing to send my kids off the right way. Would you do that? So you know what? I'm not going to live in guilt over the past. I can't change that. I'm going to focus on the future. Number two, I will memorize Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And that is an awesome verse. If you don't have that one memorized, man, you, you got to get that one down. Next, I will literally make a list of what I want my kids or grandkids to know before they leave the house. Sit down and write it out. Then you can focus on it. Other than that, anything you teach them is a total accident. Next, I will be intentional to make sure my kids are around admirable adults. Would you do that? Next, 
Contact me about ways to volunteer in the student ministry. Because if you want your kids to be around admirable, admirable adults, you need to make sure you're that admirable adult for someone else's kids. And if it's serving in the youth ministry, teenage ministry is for you. And look, it's not always teaching. There's tons and tons of ways that you can serve without teaching. But it just gets you around kids. Similarly, contact me about ways to volunteer in the kids ministry, fifth grade and under. And again, that's not all teaching. There's lots of ways to serve. If you want us to contact you about ways, check one of those boxes let us know. Next, I commit to change the way I treat and talk to my kids or grandkids. Because I promise you, the me you see is the me I will be. I'm telling you, it's true. I've seen it. Alas, I want to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, Jesus came and died on a cross so that he could forgive you for your past so you can have a great future. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you by asking him to come into your life and then pledging to live your life for him from this day forward, you're not a Christ follower, not yet. But there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before or one like it, then, you, then you're not a Christ follower yet, but you can become one today. Would you make a commitment to pray that prayer right now? And if you do, check this box because I want to mail you some free stuff in the mail. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. It's on a table just before you walk outside of each of these five doors. Snag one of those on your way out today. Let me pray for you as I turn it back over to Pat and the worship team. Father, I thank you for this whole series. God, that you want us not to fight with our family, but you want us to fight for our family. And I thank you for all the ways you've shown us how to do that. So Lord, I pray for every family in here that they would be intentional and deliberate to fight for their family and they would not be shackled by guilt over the past, but God, instead they would press on with you and fight for the future of their kids, their grandkids, their marriage, their parenting, all of it. And so Lord, I ask that you would empower us and embolden us and give us the faith in you and that you would show us the way every step of the way and give us the courage to follow it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.